in the, uh, in the first service, they just played the whole time through the sermon. It was, it was really kind of nice. It gave us kind of a blues feel to the, to the message today. I want to do something different today. I, I, want, I want to start with um, some scripture memory. Now, some of you are groaning. You have memories like I do. You can do this. Okay, we're going to memorize an entire verse together uh, today. Here it is. You ready? Pray without ceasing. First Thess 517. All right? Now, with, with no more review than that, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Let's recite together and see if you got it. Ready? Pray without ceasing. You guys are outstanding. Um, we want to do more than memorize today, um, as helpful as that is. I want to challenge you to live this command out. What if Paul meant it? What if he gave this command to the church and he actually meant that we should do this? That we should pray without ceasing? And before some of you start running to your Greek New Testaments looking for loopholes, let me suggest that this is not the only place that Paul has this kind of emphasis. Let me build my case for you. Romans 1. Without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers. Romans 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. 1 Corinthians 1, I give thanks to my God always for you. Ephesians 1, I do not cease to give thanks to you. Ephesians 6, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Colossians 1, we have not ceased to pray for you. Colossians 4, continue steadfastly in prayer. Colossians 4, again, always struggling on your behalf in his prayers was Epaphras. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 Thessalonians 2, we also thank God constantly for this. 1 Thessalonians 3, we pray most earnestly night and day. 2 Thessalonians 1, to this end we always pray for you. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. So whatever it means to pray without ceasing, there's a whole lot of always, continually, and night and day in both Paul's example of praying and what he's calling the church to, right? I mean, I want to be Captain Obvious, but I think he helps us, he expects us to pray a lot, uh, to move towards really a life marked by ceaseless prayer. Today we want to ask the question, what would that look like in your life, in my life, if we grew in ceaseless prayer? And before we try to answer that, we should pray. So let's pray together. Father, be merciful to us now. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Spirit, give us ears to hear. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe it will help first to talk just a little bit about what ceaseless prayer is not like, okay? It is not like this, okay? It is not sitting in the lotus position, chanting some mantra all day long. That's, that's not what we're thinking about. Nor does it mean being on bended knee with folded hands every second of every day and every night, okay? At some point, you have to get up and get in the game, right? And 
I think if we, if we thought this was what prayer was, we always were in prayer with our, on our knees with our hands folded. That would make for some really sleepless and unemployable people. Um, now, it doesn't mean that we would abandon set times of prayer, our regular prayer times. So, for instance, we would not say, you start sleeping in, sleeping through your morning time with the Lord because, hey, I'm praying all day long. No, that's not what Paul's getting at, and that's not what we're after. Instead, I hope you'll see today that those regular prayer times are intended to fuel our ceaselessness in prayer. What does it look like, then, to be ceaseless in prayer? And if if I could introduce you to one guy who is most closely associated with this ability to pray, it's a guy named Nicholas, Nicholas Herman. He lived a long time ago. He was born in what's now eastern France. And as a young man, his poverty forced him into the army where he got a stipend and food. And while he was in the army, though, during the winter, he had an encounter with God while he observed a barren tree and began thinking about what that tree would become uh, in the summertime as it was lush and fruitful. And he was awed by the grace of God and uh, came to be a follower of, of Jesus there while he was in the military. Um, he fought in the Thirty Years' War, and following an injury, left the army and served as a valet, taking care of people's horses for them. After some time, he actually joined a monastery, a Carmelite monastery out uh, in Paris. But he entered as a, as a lay brother, they called it, because he didn't have the education to become a cleric or a monk. And when he joined the monastery, he took on the, the religious name of Lawrence of the Resurrection. And if you know him at all, you know him as Brother Lawrence. Um, there's a little book of his writings and thoughts called The, Practicing, the Practice of the Presence of God. And uh, he spent almost the rest of his life within the walls of that monastery, um, mostly he worked in the kitchen. He referred to himself as the Lord of Pots and Pans. And, uh, but what, what Lawrence under, Brother Lawrence understood was that there was no task too trivial to be offered to God as worship and an expression of his love. The custom of minute-by-minute minute prayer is encapsulated in perhaps his most famous quote. He says, the time of business does not differ from does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great a tranquility as if I were upon my knees at the blessed sacrament. Okay. And so as a result of this, people would observe his life and they were drawn to him. People would come from all around the region to be mentored in prayer by the dishwasher uh, in the kitchen uh, during his day. Some of the kinds of things Lawrence would say were things like this. He says, um, it's not needful that we should have great things to do. We can do little things for God. I turn the cake that is frying on the pan for love of Him. And that done, if there is nothing else to call me, I prostrate myself in worship before Him who has given me grace to work. And afterwards, I rise happier than a king. 
It is enough for me to pick up a straw from the ground for the love of God. Um, That is how ceaseless prayer shaped the life and heart of Brother Lawrence. Pray without ceasing. What would that look like in your life? If you were to take this on as it is, as a command, how can you grow to be more prayerful throughout your ordinary days? And I'm going I'm to group my emphases today in, in three great things that we take away from this idea of praying ceaselessly. And the first is that um, we're mindful that when we can pray ceaselessly, that means God is with us everywhere, um, all the time. John MacArthur describes ceaseless prayer as living in continual God consciousness where everything you see and experience becomes a kind of prayer lived in deep awareness of and surrender to Him. It should be instant and intimate communication, not unlike that which we enjoy with our best friend. To pray without ceasing means that when you're tempted, you hold the temptation before God and ask for His help. When you experience something good and beautiful, you immediately thank the Lord for it. When you see evil around you, you ask God to make it right and use you to pray for God, uh, pray for God to end that if it's His will. Um, when you meet someone who does not know Christ, you pray for God to draw that person to Himself and use you to be a faithful witness. When you encounter trouble, you turn to God as your deliverer. See, just the idea that we can pray to God ceaselessly tells us something about God. He is always near to us. He is always with us. He is always present to hear our prayers anytime, anywhere. So it doesn't require a special place or a special time to pray. Those can be helpful, but they're not deal breakers. You can pray anywhere, anytime. Now, contrast that with, um, gosh, it's been about 15 years ago, there was an article in the Denver Rocky Mountain News that described a website called newprayer.com. And that website said simply, simply click on the pray button and transmit your prayer to the only known location of God. The site claims it can send prayers via a radio transmitter to God's last known location, which was a star cluster called M13, believed to be one of the oldest in the universe. Uh, the guy behind this is a, a, an engineer in Massachusetts named Crandall Stone, and uh, he set up the site after a night of, this will explain a lot, after a night of sipping brandy and philosophizing with, with friends in Vermont. The conversation turned to Big Bang theories of creation, and someone suggested that if everything was in one place at the time of the explosion, then God must have been there too. So Stone figured it's the one place where we could be sure God was, so we thought if we could find that location and had a radio transmitter, we could send a message to God. So they actually consulted with NASA scientists and chipped in $20,000 to build a radio wave transmitting website to this star called M13. You know, Paul could have saved him so much time and money, right? Because God is with us always. You can always pray from where you are anytime. Um, There is no time when you cannot pray. Brother Lawrence describes the beauty 
and the simplicity of what this is like for us. He says, God does not ask much of us, merely a thought of Him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for grace, sometimes to offer Him your sufferings, at other times to thank Him for the graces past and present He has bestowed on you, in the midst of your troubles to take solace in Him as often as you can, lift up your heart to Him during your meals and in company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to Him. One need not cry out very loudly, He is nearer to us than we think. He is nearer to us than we think. He is before us wherever we go. There's another ancient prayer uh, by, that's ascribed to St. Patrick, and it's called St. Patrick's Breastplate. It's a beautiful prayer, and it's long, but there's one section that captures this idea of the nearness of Christ in particular. It goes like this, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Um, Christ is near to us. We can always pray to Him. Um, Ceaseless prayer tells us something about God. It tells us that He is near and available and eager to hear our prayers anytime, anywhere. It also tells us that God is good. Because one of the, if you think back to those verses I read by Paul, one of the main exhortations is to constantly give thanks. Okay. Look, um, look with me at the little bit broader context for the verse you just memorized, right? Starting in verse 16. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You want to know God's will? There it is. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. That is to mark us because God is good, okay? Because every good and perfect gift comes to us from our Father. Um, He is worthy as a result of unceasing thanks and praise. And long, long ago, this was the practice of Jewish rabbis. Okay? They, um, according to a guy named Marvin Wilson, Moses commanded the Israelites to bless the Lord for His goodness, like we're talking about, in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Building on this and other texts, the rabbis taught this. They said, it is forbidden to a man uh, it is forbidden to a man to enjoy anything of this world without a benediction, without giving thanks, without blessing God. And if anyone enjoys anything of this world without a benediction, it is to him a sacrilege. It becomes a sin to enjoy something and not give God thanks, they used to teach. They would say, hence a Jew recites a prayer upon hearing bad news and good news when smelling fragrant plants and when eating food and drinking wine. Another writer adds, when you saw a king, you praised God for giving some of his glory to humans. And when you met a brilliant rabbi for giving some of his wisdom to humans. In Jesus' ministry, God was sharing some of his power to heal and forgive sin. And the rabbi's thinking, 
Every kind of human ability, power, glory, or wisdom ultimately comes from God who graciously shares a tiny portion of his own nature with human beings. So ceaseless prayer means that we are constantly reminded that God is good and we are thanking him for our encounters with his goodness everywhere. You're sitting in a padded chair. Thanks be to God, right? In an in an early service, heated room, now in an air-conditioned room. Thanks be to God. Your car started. You made it here, clothed and in your right mind. Thanks be to God. You may even have got breakfast in. Thanks be to God. Okay, His kindness is following us everywhere if we have an eye to see it. And we are exhorted, even commanded by, by none other than the Apostle Paul, to give thanks constantly for His goodness. The other thing that ceaseless prayer brings to mind in this whole of how we think about God and how we think about us, relatedly, is that it reminds us how much we need God. Okay. O. Halsby says that the foundation of prayer is helplessness. It is only when we are helpless, he says, that we, are open, we open our hearts to Jesus and let Him help us in our distress according to His grace and mercy. So, so we get in the car and we ask God to be our protector. We get to school and we ask God to give us wisdom. We have a conversation and we ask God to help us control our tongue. You know, on and on. We pray constantly because we are helpless. We need God. The beating of our hearts, the breathing of our lungs... Scripture endorses this. It says in Philippians 4, My God supplies every need according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Hebrews 4 says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. And the more convinced we are of these realities, the more we pray. So that we would not dare discipline our kids without praying first. We would not dare go to a meeting without praying first. We would not dare go to, go to school without praying first. We would not dare take an exam without praying first. That one you probably got down, right? As long as there are exams, there will always be prayer in schools. Until. Ceaseless prayer means being mindful of God's presence always, His nearness to us, His goodness to us, and our great need for Him. Pray without ceasing. You know, it, not only does it, does it imply the, the way we think about God being near to us and the things I just mentioned, but it also means that we would be unfailing, that we would be persevering in prayer. When Paul writes and uses this kind of language, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving, it may not be so much every moment prayer in those cases as it is just not quitting, not giving up in praying, being faithful in prayer. And Jesus was concerned about this, taught very explicitly about it in one of his stories that he told, one of his parables. Jesus told them in Luke 18, a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Okay? 
Jesus said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? When the Son of Man comes, Jesus is asking, will he find people faithfully faithfully praying? Are there things or are there people that you have simply stopped praying for? You have given up. Jesus is urging us to persevere, to not give up, to not quit praying. Part of ceaselessness in prayer is faithfulness in prayer that we would continue to pray for the things that we believe God wants us to pray for, enduringly. Charles Spurgeon was a pastor from long ago, and he preached on this passage. And one of the things he said that was really helpful, he said, um, there's, there's one other thing implied in the text, that is, pray without ceasing. Namely, that a Christian has no right to go into any place where he could not continue to pray pray without ceasing, then I am never to be in a place where I could not pray without ceasing. Hence, he says, many, and he calls them worldly amusements, without being particularized, may be judged and condemned at once. Are there any places where you are going where you are reluctant to pray from that place? Is there anything you're watching or looking at that you're reluctant to pray about when you get to that place. Embracing sin kills prayer. And what Spurgeon calls worldly amusements amusements can choke it out. What What is limiting prayer? What are you involved in that you don't feel good about praying about or from? Brother Lawrence again says, We should establish ourselves in a sense of God's presence by continually conversing with Him. And it's a shameful thing to quit His conversation, to think of trifles and fooleries. Are there any trifles and fooleries in your world that are choking out prayer? Don't give in to the temptation to give up on prayer prayer. Spurgeon says, if the philosopher should tell you that every event is fixed and therefore prayer cannot possibly change anything and consequently must be folly, still, he says, if you cannot answer any charge, if you cannot answer him and are somewhat puzzled, go on with your supplications notwithstanding all. No difficult problem concerning understanding digestion would prevent you from eating. He says, for the result justifies the practice 
in like fashion, because you don't understand everything about prayer, don't give it up. He says, never, never, never renounce the habit of prayer or your confidence in its power. To be ceaseless in prayer, we have to be mindful of who God is, and we have to be faithful in it and not give up. Um, pray without ceasing. Um, obviously, the last, the last thing I'll drive home for you is obviously that means we need to pray more than we do, right? Whatever praying without ceasing means, it means praying more, inviting God more into the crevices of our life, every bit of life. And some of us need this more than others. There was a Pew Research study, ladies, that found that only 66% of women, two, two-thirds of women, pray daily. I was shocked. It could be worse, ladies, 49% of men, they found, prayed daily. Now, the other thing that they found in another study was that the older you get, the more you pray. And they found this to be true across generations. They found that Gen Xers, um, born between 65 and 80, in the late, 80, late 90s, rather, 42% of them were praying. Now, 54% are praying daily. Same is true with boomers who were born before that. In the 1980s, 47% of boomers prayed daily. Now, 62% do. So, praise God for growing old, right? But, but for those of you who are young, okay, in your 20s, you know, don't, don't be like us. Don't be stupid for decades, okay? Start praying daily. Start praying continually now. You know, the, the delusion of youth is that we can do it, okay? You cannot. You need God's help. And these, thankfully, these not be, need not be lengthy, scholarly, pious, lofty, enlightened prayers. They can just be short, arrow prayers to God. Marvin Wilson says that prayer is the means by which Jews, both ancient and modern, have attuned to the concept that all of life is sacred. Jewish prayers tend to be short because they, the entire working day is punctuated with sentence prayers. More than 100 of these blessing prayers are recited by Jews during a day. Just interjecting them. And Scripture's full of short prayers. For instance, Jesus on the cross, He prays, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. End of prayer. Okay. And some of you are thinking, well, he was a little preoccupied being on the cross and all, right? But that's exactly my point. When you are preoccupied in a much less intense way, obviously, whether you're driving or at work or whether you are panicking, whatever you are doing that preoccupies you, these short Prayers are transformative. Okay. Um, there's a pastor who tells a story about a woman who showed up at his church, and every week when they would have a prayer gathering, she would pray the exact same prayer. This was her, her prayer. She prayed, Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. That was it. Oh Lord, thank you, Jesus. And Pastor H.B. Charles says that in his congregation, the kids started to snicker because every time she went to pray, they knew exactly what she was going to pray. And so finally someone asked her, 
Why do you pray this simple little prayer all the time? And this is her story. She said, well, I'm just combining the two prayers that I know. We live in a bad neighborhood, and some nights there are bullets flying, and I have to grab my daughter and hide on the floor, and in that desperate state, all I know how to cry out is, oh, Lord. But when I wake up in the morning and see that we're okay, I say, thank you, Jesus. She says, when I got to take my baby to the bus stop and she gets on that bus and I don't know what's going to happen to her while she's away, I cry, oh, Lord. And then when 3 p.m. comes and that bus arrives and my baby is safe, I say, thank you, Jesus. She said, those are the only two prayers I know. And when I get to church, God has been so good, I just put my two prayers together. Oh, Lord, thank you, Jesus. And so I'm suggesting that your day should be constantly penetrated by simple prayers like, help me, Jesus. Okay? Thank you, Jesus, as you go throughout the day. Here's another short prayer in the Bible that's had a long, long life in the life of the church. It comes from the lips of Bartimaeus, the blind man, and the stories in Mark 10. Jesus came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, this is his prayer, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him telling him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Now, the Greek Orthodox Church still uses to this day a simple prayer that's anchored in the language of Bartimaeus, his prayer. It's called the Jesus Prayer, and typically it goes like this, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And they pray it constantly throughout the day, asking God's mercy upon all that they are about to do. Paul Miller writes that the Orthodox tradition calls these short prayers breath prayers because it can be prayed in one breath okay, and interjected into any situation. He also says that praying these prayers repeatedly is the exact opposite of Eastern mysticism which he says is a psycho-spiritual technique that disengages from relationship and escapes pain by dulling self. Eastern mystics are trying to empty their minds and become one with the non-personal all. But as Christians, we realize we can't cure ourselves, so we cry out to our Father. Okay? We cry out to our Father with these little short prayers injected throughout our day. So last week I talked to you about extended times of prayer. Today I'm just talking about throwing little prayer darts in everything you do. Let me get real practical and give you some suggestions. Um, the Colson Center has a really helpful study on this idea of unceasing prayer. And in it, this is a suggestion that they make. They say, the next time you have occasion to pray, think your small group or your family. Try this. Don't say amen when you're done, okay? As though your time of prayer has come to an end. Simply stop praying out loud and switch into listening and observing mode in your ongoing conversation and prayer with the Lord. Now, nothing wrong with saying amen. I had, had a, a little guy come up after the first service and chastise me for saying amen at the end of my prayer. It's okay to say amen, but, but once in a while, mix it up, 
okay? Just don't as a way of saying, we haven't stopped praying. We're just starting to pray, okay? Um, Another thing that can help you daily are, are finding prompts in your day to pray. Creation is an amazing prompt that we neglect often. Mary Oliver uh, wrote in her poem called Good Morning, she wrote, The multiplicity of forms, the hummingbird, the fox, the raven, the sparrowhawk, the otter, the dragonfly, the water lily, and on and on. She says, it must be a great disappointment to God if we are not dazzled at least ten times a day. And so, you know, the leaves are changing. We should be dazzled by that and give thanks to the God who pulls it off ceaselessly. We're just giving thanks for the world in which we live and the wonder of it all. Your daily routines are rife with opportunities for you to insert prayer. I do not get out of bed until I've prayed through a number of things that matter to me, and I don't want to lose them as my day rushes on. So I pray for my family before I get out of bed. I have a big family. I stay in bed a long time. But that matters to me, and I don't want it to be stolen by the business of the day. So I pray for my wife and my children every day before I get out of bed. And then, because I am old, I take old guy vitamins, okay? And I, when I take vitamins, I pray every day for strength to serve my king that day, okay? And I'm reminded that I need to pray that. I take that vitamin, and I pray. And I, and I pray that prayer. I put on my watch every day, and I pray that I would redeem the time and use it wisely because the days are evil, Paul says. And so when I put my watch on, I pray. I wear a, a bracelet on my other wrist, okay? And this bracelet is a reminder to me to pray my version of that Jesus prayer. So every day in the morning as I'm starting my day, I put this bracelet on and I pray, Lord Jesus, Son of God and Savior of us all, have mercy on me, the chief of sinners, and yet a son. And that's how I start my day. And if somebody asks me about the bracelet in, during the course of the day, because it's kind of weird that I'd be wearing the bracelet like this, I'll say, what's well, a prompt for me to pray? How can I pray for you? And it's another occasion to infuse prayer in my day. It's everywhere. You drive through your neighborhood. You go for walks in your neighborhood. Those are occasions to pray for the people in your neighborhood, to pray for churches that you drive by and business owners and customers and schools and doctor's offices and hospitals. I come in early on Sunday mornings. I'm usually here by 6. And there are people out before 6 o'clock on a Sunday morning. And I always wonder why. And I pray for them. Because, you know, some of them are just coming in from Saturday night, and some of them have a fishing boat behind them. I know where they're going. And some of them are going to church, perhaps. But I, there's a handful of cars out there, so I pray for them on Sunday mornings when I see them. Um, you should have shaping scriptures that you pray on a regular basis. These change. But they are scriptures that you want God to press down in your soul and shape your day. So every day now, I'm praying this scripture. I'm praying, God, satisfy me in the morning with your steadfast love that I might rejoice and be glad all my day. You know? And I pray this often when I'm standing in front of the mirror, 
not looking very satisfied and joyful as I start my day, right? And I just want to remember that I'm loved by God, and whatever happens, I'm good, okay? Whatever that day brings to me, I'm good, and I should be joyful, okay? And so you should have scriptures like that that you want driven deep into your soul, and you pray them every day. So there are prompts throughout your day. You can pray when you get in the car. You can ask for safety. When you get out, you can give thanks. You can pray when you enter your office. You can pray when you walk by your boss's office. You can pray when you get into class. You can pray when you step onto the playing field. You can pray every day ceaselessly. But you've got to find ways to help you remember and think and be mindful that God is near and you can pray to Him. Set times to pray help you pray ceaselessly. Throughout church history, this has been done through a thing that's either called the daily office or perhaps the liturgy of the hours, and they are set times of prayer throughout the day, as many as seven or eight times of prayer that people would stop and pray. They're rooted in some of the things we see in Scripture. Psalm 119, for instance, says, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. And so in the Liturgy of the Hours, there are seven or maybe eight times every three hours or so you stop and pray. Um, But more broadly, things like Psalm 55 shape the daily office or our daily prayers. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan and he hears my voice. So morning, noon, and night. You pick this up in the life of Daniel. He's been, a document has been signed forbidding prayer to any god but the king. And when Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem, and he got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So again, in the morning, you commit your day to God. At noon, you have a mid-course correction because you've probably already forgot about God. And then in the evening, you give thanks and confess any known sin. And these kinds of things inserted in your day regularly will help you pray ceaselessly in between. Um, T.M. Moore talks about it this way. He says, another way to hang your day on prayer is to set appointments with God at different times of the day to meet with Him, if only briefly, for prayer. In Scripture, saints observed set hours of prayer Sometimes three times a day, sometimes seven. In the book of Acts, we find Peter and John heading up to the temple to keep a prayer appointment with God in the middle of the afternoon in Acts 3 because, Luke tells us, it was the hour of of prayer. So how you start your day and how you end your day with a mid-course correction sometime in the middle of the day where you just step out for a little bit. It could be one of these just really short Short arrow prayers that you commit to praying every day, midday, to commit the rest of your day to God. They will help you be more ceaseless in your your prayers. Pray without ceasing. This has has the example, this has the potential rather, to change everything in your day. Think about the difference it would make if you prayed before every meeting that you had every conversation that you had, if you stopped and prayed before you disciplined your kids. There's a saying, it goes like this, when I pray, 
coincidences happen. And when I don't, they don't. Right? We are inviting God to release His power and mercy in us and through us at every juncture of our day, every crevice of our life. Um, when, you're, when you were growing up, do you remember what a double dog dare was? Right? It's usually a friend daring you to do something that you shouldn't do, right? It was a double dog dare because he really wanted to. I'm going to redeem that for good. I'm going to give you a pastoral double dog dare, okay? Let, let me challenge you. This week, out of something that's been suggested, or maybe it'll come out of the, the coalition of conversations in your small group, find a way that you can practice in a way that you never have before, ceaseless prayer. Find a way that you can inject into parts of your world that are prayerless now, prayer on a daily basis, okay? There's a guy named uh, Frank Laubach. He's a former missionary who developed a thing called the Game of Minutes. It's a really odd little article full of curious ideas. And he tried to keep track of, uh, for an hour a day and then expand it to his whole day that he would think of God every minute and pray some kind of little prayer, be mindful of God Every minute. Call it the game of minutes. Some of us would be much better off playing the game of hours. Okay? That's where we are. But wherever you are, let me challenge you. Find a way to be more ceaseless in prayer than you ever have been before. Invite God. Give thanks to God in an area of your life that, that prayer has been absent from. Brother Lawrence encourages us. He says, There is not in the world a kind of life more sweet and delightful than that of a continual conversation with God. And Jesus, as we've seen, he challenges us. He says, When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He'll find it in you if you're faithful in the practice of ceaseless prayer. Let's bow and pray together, and then we'll approach the table as we close. Father, thank you for being a God who is readily available and delighting in our prayer 24-7, anywhere we go, any circumstance, where our hearts are willing to pray, you are glad to hear how kind and how good you are to the likes of us, and... Um, we worship you for that. We ask forgiveness for neglecting that privilege. Lord, whole sections of our days, we are too busy to pray. Forgive us. And by your Spirit, infuse into our, in, in, even this day and the days of this week, an increased obedience to your good command to pray without ceasing. Um, help us with that. Jesus, thank you. Teach us how to pray by your spirit. We pray in your name. Amen.